0: Hey, welcome to episode eight of Builder Talks. This is with Lee Robinson, the head of developer relations at Vercel. Uh, Unfortunately, we lost a pretty significant portion of this talk due to technical difficulties on our end. Um, Rest assured, we are working very hard to make sure that this never happens again. Uh, But with that aside, uh, enjoy what we do have of the talk
1: pretty much ready to start so first of all I just want to thank you for joining us today um this is this is such an incredible pleasure for the entire team because all of us are huge huge fans of Vercel like I've personally been using it for about two-ish years now um I, I handle like literally all of my web hosting needs on Vercel and we're super grateful the team is super grateful that Vercel has been more than kind enough to you know sponsor all the builder group's web hosting needs so thank you so much for that um but yeah how are you doing
2: I'm doing great. I'm uh, really excited to be here and, and talk a little bit more about Purcell and Next.js and my journey in DevRel and my journey as a developer and some of the things that I've learned and hopefully help, help share with yeah. you all some of that experience. And yeah, we're super excited to, to sponsor y'all and help support you. Uh, we think this is a great community and we want to be involved.
1: We appreciate it. Um so I think I think the best way to kick this off would be if you would you know if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself for those of you for the uh, you know some of those members of our audience that aren't really familiar with who you are so like maybe who you are you know as an yep. individual and then what you do at Vercel
2: Yeah absolutely um so my name's Lee I'm the director of developer relations at Vercel Vercel is a platform that makes it really easy to build and deploy websites, and we're the creators of Next.js, which is a React framework that simplifies how you build your front end. Um, I have been at Vercel for a year and a half, helping lead the Next.js community and um, just the larger Vercel community and its other related properties like SWC, SWR, Turbo Repo, a little bit of webpack, too, um, just helping grow those communities and connect with, uh, connect with people there. And before I was at Vercel, I have been a developer for 10 years doing stuff with e-commerce and fintech and really just getting immersed in the front end. I, I absolutely love the front end. It's by far my favorite part about being a developer. It's being a web developer and crafting really nice-looking front ends. And I am in the I'm located in the United States. I'm in the Midwest in Iowa, uh, which is full of cornfields and flat land. <laughs> and uh <laughs> I uh in my free time I like to play music and uh yeah. That's that's, that's so cool. That's that's really cool. Um I've been I've been
1: listening to, you know, all of those uh, you know, appearances you make on like Versal and the YouTube channel and those events you host, um, via Vercel. Uh, so you you're obviously a really good host. Um, I do wanna ask, what really got you started into this whole like tech space? You know, what was that one moment where you're like, okay, I want to go build a JavaScript application, or you know what, what got you started with HTML, CSS, or you know whatever programming?
2: Yeah, when I was, when I was. Growing up, I was a huge gamer. I really liked to play not only games on the PC, but also on Xbox and PlayStation. And I just always had an affinity for the cool tech gadgets. And that kind of evolved into like building a gaming PC and wanting to play Counter Strike or Age of Empires or like whatever random game uh, was on the PC. And then when I was in high school, I started to learn more about like networking because I thought that, oh, well, maybe maybe I'll want to do something with that for my career. But I, I was I was very indecisive. I also kind of liked design and thought, maybe, well, maybe I'll be a designer. I had no idea. But then when I went to college or university, I just said, you know what, I'm going to try out engineering it probably has the best probability of me getting a job, which was important. And I just said, you know what, I'll see it. And if I hate it, then I can always, I can always change. And at first, I mean, I, so I had zero programming experience when I started university. And most people had already had a lot of experience in my classes. So I had to kind of work overtime to get up to speed and catch up to people. But to be honest... I didn't really like programming until I started doing web development. It wasn't until I saw the visual side of programming that it really clicked for me. Um, th- like doing C or Java, it just wasn't as appealing for me as when I finally saw HTML and JavaScript. I was like, "Wow, this is this is amazing! I can build this experience, and I can put it on the web." And just send it to my friends, and they can try it out, and they can build things. And I can, like, even when I started to look at mobile apps, I was like, "Well, this is pretty cool." But the process of getting that mobile app actually in the app stores was a lot more complicated than it needed to be. It's a lot better in 2022, but it's still not nearly as easy as building on the web. Um,
1: that's so cool. And see, the thing is, right, Builder Group, we've it's it's essentially initiative. empower these you know young younger builders so I'm pretty sure a lot of our members are in the same spot that you were when you were in high school and so that's what we're trying to do in our community you know help people foster connections with folks from their own generation that are passionate about the same thing like we we strongly believe that you know passion can take you long great places and I, I think that's that's the same sort of discovery you made when you were in you know, college and you found that passion for the visual side of tech and programming. Um, And so, yeah, it's, it's amazing how, you know, passion can get you to great places. Uh, They just had to add something. So yeah, feel free to add whatever you needed. just.
0: Yeah. So I think a bit more about the visual side. Um, I, I strongly agree that like, you know, when you start building visually uh, it's, it's like being able to see, uh, the output of code uh, is actually it's very motivating. Um, like I also started with iOS app development personally and I actually think that's the main reason why I'm actually uh, still developing today because uh, it was, uh, it, it gets quite easy, like you get quite easily demotivated um, if you don't really see the results uh, immediately and that's kind of the beauty of the code, right? Uh, so that's why i actually kind of believe that uh kind of sh- starting off with some kind of language that allows you to 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 visualize uh the beauty of the, like the beauty of your code um yeah i completely actually agree with you uh and that's also when it clicked for me
1: yeah
2: certainly. Yeah. there's there's something about getting fast feedback like getting quick like validation that what you're building is working like there's nothing more defeating than trying to learn programming and you're just hitting roadblock after roadblock after roadblock and you don't see anything. You don't feel like you're progressing. And the great thing about visual programming is like the beautiful combination of Next.js and Vercel for me is that Next.js on its own is great. And something that a lot of people don't realize is that more people deploy Next.js self-hosted than they do on Vercel. Like... A lot of people just assume that, oh, well, everybody must deploy on Vercel. But the reality is actually there's a ton of people in companies all over the world who deploy Next.js on their own infrastructure. So not only are we building Next.js for those people, we're also building Next.js for those who say, you know what? I don't really wanna manage any of that infrastructure. I'm just gonna let Vercel handle that. And it, it makes a pretty good product for developers, especially You have not only hobby developers who can use our platform completely free but then we also have plans for really large companies too that can take advantage of of the tools that we provide
0: yeah awesome that's actually that's that's really cool and and yeah open source does give you a lot of publicity and it's it's really a great and it's a great initiative and kind of Vercel is an example of kind of making open source a very sustainable system um i also believe that like uh, i mean and it's 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 not really a belief it's kind of it's out there uh is that Vercel is kind of it's really next generation in terms of everything that it does right um it it uses all the all, like all the latest technologies like like rust um and it's it, it's it's a very uh, i guess future stake or it's a very kind of it's a company or at least the software is is a, is, a, is on the edge right uh, so like what are your thoughts on kind of using uh, new uh, and like very hyped up technologies um, instead of kind of going with the the industry standards, right? because rust is still it's still relatively new um and although its adoption is is increasing a lot, like what's your thoughts on using next generation technologies instead of kind of using the uh, the old like re- reliable technologies that are already there?
2: So I would say that rust is relatively new, but it's very well adopted. It's being used in some. And very large companies and it has a lot of great backing and a great community as well too and the reasons for choosing rust is that effectively we reached a a maximum for performance in some of the existing javascript tools that we had it's not that the tools weren't serving their purpose well which they were it's just we were trying to make things an order of magnitude faster for developers. And the only way to do that was to not use JavaScript. We needed to use a lower level language. And the trade-off there is that it's harder to develop. It's harder to build you know, plugins or it's harder to build the actual library of Next.js in Rust. It requires people who understand lower-level languages like Rust and how to build great experiences with those. The, the pro of that is, though, for all of the Next.js users, the people who actually use the package, they don't have to think about any of that stuff. We take care of the hard stuff for you so that when you start up your Next.js server and you reload the page, it happens in 50 milliseconds. And some of those speed improvements are only possible by switching to tools like Rust and really optimizing the way you're building your applications once you use you know a native level language like rust or c++ or something like that
1: yeah of course um that that's so incredible uh, and There's a product um, y'all recently acquired called Turbo Repo. So I've been meaning to learn more about that. And I'm sure a lot of our community members would be willing to hear what you guys are doing with, you know, Turbo Repo. Um, I, I know it's a little off topic, but I've been meaning to ask about that for quite a while now. So feel free to answer
2: that if you'd like. So with Turbo Repo, we we've talked to a lot of individual developers and also really large companies. And there's this common theme that at a certain point in growing their company or their application, a lot of teams end up moving to a monorepo. And they move to a monorepo maybe to break up their really large application. Maybe part of their team only works on the homepage and part of their team works on the checkout. Part of their team works on the product pages. And each one of those is a separate app. Or maybe they have a monorepo to have a specific, uh, like a component library or a mobile app in a separate folder. Like it's almost a function of how the teams work as a group. And the state of monorepo tooling was not very great. And that's really what Jared, the creator of TurboRepo, set out to solve is, I wanna bring, I wanna build Next.js, but for monorepos. I wanna just make it really easy for people to use this tool and give them the benefits that they want without having to think about the configuration. And that's that's basically why we, we acquired Turbo Repo and why we think it's an extremely important thing for large teams who are wanting to use monorepos. Um, we use it internally now for a lot of stuff, and it kind of just works. You just, you're able to save so much time because Turbo Repo is smart enough to not recompute work that's already been done. So a good example of this is, say you have three Next.js apps, and they're each, doing, they're each doing a build, and they're for different parts of your application. So when you push up a commit, if I only change stuff in one of the apps, I don't, I don't want to have to rebuild the other apps. If I've already built them once, and nothing has changed, then let's just skip that. And the interesting thing about Turbo is that it takes that to another level because if anyone on your team does that build, you get to reuse those assets that have already been generated. And this is called remote caching. So if I run a build in Iowa in the United States and it pushes it up to Vercel and then one of my teammates on the other side of the world tries to push up a build too... It just immediately is way faster because I've already generated and stored the result of that build, and we're already seeing this save developers just a ton of time on Vercel using Turbo Repo, and we think it's going to be really, really impactful.
1: I 100% agree. I've I've experienced I've experimented with the tool a little bit. I've found it incredibly useful, especially when you know working with a few friends on a small side project. Um, so, yeah, I, I love what you guys are doing with, you know, open source and revolutionizing the future of, you know, these the, the web. Um, I now want to move on to a slightly different topic. And I want to ask about, uh, you know, what, what do you do aside from Versa? Like, obviously, a lot of developers in today's day and age, they... They sort of tend to have these like side projects or open source projects, like you have actually mentioned a few minutes ago. So, so what are those? What are some of those open source projects? Since you're, you're so prominent in open source, uh, what are some of the things you're currently working on aside from Vercel
2: So right now, I am very focused on growing my team and helping my team be successful. It's a new, a new journey for me as I've been. You know, an individual contributor for a long time, and now I have um, five people on my team who are also building content and connecting with the community and have their own individual desires and goals. So I'm helping them be successful, first and foremost. And um, outside of Next.js and Vercel, I would say I spend a decent amount of time working on my personal site. It's just a fun... Fun little place for me to try out new technology, try out the latest Next.js and Vercel stuff, and just get a feel for it. And uh, one of the fun parts about DevRel is that I get to just build a bunch of random examples to try stuff out. So I built a really cool demo application for the um, Next.js release tomorrow that I'll, I'll link out and I'll tweet about. But it's just fun little things like that that are uh, exciting to build.
1: Certainly. Um, and yeah, I've, I've played around with your portfolio side of it. It's, it's pretty nice. I like the blog articles you write. Um, so yeah, moving on. Tejas, if you'd like to add anything.
0: Sure. So, uh, I would love to know your, your journey on Twitter, right? Because, uh, y- you have a lot of followers and I really want to understand, you know, how,
2: how did you grow that, that account, right? Yeah. So my, my view on Twitter is that the majority of the time that I'm tweeting, I'm trying to provide value to people who are following me. So, if And what that means is limiting the number of asks that I make. So if every single tweet I was saying, hey, could, could you retweet this thing? Or hey, go read this thing. Or hey, could you go do this favor for me? it's it's kind of draining in a lot of ways because i'm following you know some people are following me because they want to hear interesting helpful things they want to get updates on you know next or react or the stuff that i'm doing in my personal life so i try to keep it pretty focused like people follow me because they want to build faster web applications so i tweet about stuff that helps them do that and i try to mix up, giving away free educational content, for example, just like, hey, here's how you do this thing. And hopefully this was helpful. Okay, bye. And There's nothing more of it than that. I'm just trying to help people succeed. And then every now and then I can link out to something and say, by the way, we just released this thing. Check it out if you would like. If not, no worries. It's just trying to be a little bit more guess just trying to be a little bit more realistic about people's interactions on Twitter. Like I am not, I am not the, uh, the corporate puppet of Vercel. Like I'm going to tweet out whatever I want to tweet out and whatever I find is interesting. And a lot of times that is Next.js and Vercel stuff because I'm very excited about the work that I'm doing and I think that it's helpful. But I also tweet about Spelt and I also tweet about Competitors sometimes that I think are doing a good job, and I think that's important because I don't at the end of the day you know Lee is more than just the person who's leading the Next.js community or the person who's leading DevRel at Purcell. That is something important that I like to do but I also just like you know building my own stuff and building my own websites and being a developer and being uh, a designer are things that I really enjoy doing so keeping it centered around that is important. And another too, another thing too, just like a personal opinion of mine is like there's there's almost nothing good that comes from arguing with people on Twitter. <laughs> I, just, I see people do it, and I'm just like, yeah, like that's not that's not the place that I want to be at. Because inevitably, people have disagreed with me on stuff, and that's fine. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna die on the hill of Defending something on Twitter or getting into a long debate about something. I think it's just it's not a good look for me It's not I, I try to be more uh, more positive and more optimistic than that
1: Yeah, um, that's that's interesting yeah, and I 100% agree Twitter is a it's a very interesting tool um, it definitely has a lot of like a, a lot of power Uh, And it, it uh, the kind of stuff you tweet I, I can agree promotional accounts can be annoying at times, you know, accounts that are constantly uh, posting promotions for whatever they do. So it's, it's great that you're, you know, making an initiative to share knowledge that you're obtaining um, or that you have obtained over the years. I, I do want to ask, though, what are some of the, you know, resources, some of the individuals, some of the experiences you've had that led to your knowledge of technology build up over the years?
2: I think to be a successful programmer, a successful developer, you have to learn to love to learn, if that makes any sense. like Programming is constantly reimagining itself. There's always going to be new ways to do things. There's always going to be improvements to how we build new releases, new versions of stuff, and... You can either look at it two ways. One, you can be very pessimistic and be like, oh, I wish it was better back in my day when it was all you had to do was write an HTML file, which some people are like that. Or you can look at it as a positive and say, wow, there's so many incredible tools and ways of building for the web today. I'm excited to learn about the different opportunities here and ultimately help me build better web applications. The key thing is that just because something new comes out, does not mean that you have to learn it or that you have to use it right away. I think the process of learning how to love learning is when you're building new applications or you're building for the web or, or mobile or anything, it's enjoying the process of building that application and realizing that you're gonna have to learn new stuff. You're gonna have to research, hey, how does this thing work? You're gonna have to read the docs sometimes. You're gonna have to try building new things. And what really has cemented that for me and made me remember things and become a better programmer is the act of building. Just reading or just thinking conceptually isn't enough. Like you have to actually apply that to something because it doesn't really stick unless you're actually building things with it. So once I started to like, like I remember when I was starting to learn React, I'd read about it, like seen some stuff. And it took me, like I had to build a couple applications with it to really understand, oh, okay, this is what's going. And critically, when you're building those, you're going to fail and you're going to like hit issues. And then the process of recognizing, okay, I had an issue and then fixing it, like that, that whole process is how you learn to remember. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're building up this mental model of, if this failure happens, I know how to do this. Like a, a senior developer is essentially somebody who's failed uh, a million times and they have the shortcut for how to look up the failure. <laughs> like if I run into an error, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I know what this is. Like I've seen this before. You just got to go to Stack Overflow and copy paste this answer. Like that's, that's the way to do it. And there's no shame in that. It's, it's really just getting more experience by building
1: yeah, definitely. It's all part of the learning process, and um, I I think a lot of us strongly believe in the principle that comparing, you know, yourself to others, being salty about someone else's accomplishments, uh, it, it doesn't get you anywhere. You should the only variable should be yourself. Adding a you know a second variable just complicates the entire process of learning, and it sort of beats the point because you're you're getting salty. Um, you're you're being pessimistic. You're like, okay, I want to be as good as that guy instead um what you what someone should be trying to do is sort of enhance their own potential by aspiring to beat their former selves um so i i sort of want to understand what brought you to that learning and at what point in your life
2: that's a tricky question Mm. I might have to think on that one.
1: Yeah, no worries. It's, it's all good. Um, but but yeah, it's, it's it's very interesting. And Tejas, I think you had a question about crypto, right? If you were talking to me earlier, so if you want to bring that up, because crypto is definitely sure, so... something you have to talk about. Uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting, evolving topic. I'd love to get your opinions on that. And yeah, things. yeah, of course.
0: So um, I th- the the question that I want to ask is kind of revolving around uh basically everything you see today right and and that's increasingly like kind of becoming nfts and crypto and web3 right um so like i just want to understand what are your thoughts on kind of web3 uh as a future um and like obviously like do you believe that this is going to be something that's uh like do you actually believe in in web3 right do you uh do you believe in in cryptocurrency so like what are your thoughts on that kind of that whole space which is just rapidly gr- growing today
2: Yeah, it's been really fascinating to watch that space explode. There's so many people who are incredibly excited about the underlying technology and and what the applications of Web3 can be. There's also a fair amount of skepticism from a lot of people. And I think both sides are valid. What I'm particularly interested in and what I think is cool is watching people who are building with Web3 and who are building with crypto and trying to build these new experiences, they're all focusing on the product. They're focusing on you know, doing an NFT drop or building a DAO. And in doing that, they're not thinking about, how do I set up my server? <laughs> they're thinking about, I want to build this product and I want to get it on the internet. And I think that's why so many of these... Companies and these individuals are choosing to use Next.js and Vercel. Like almost every day, I see a new Web three company that's using Next and Vercel, and I think it's just because it simplifies the process of them having an idea and getting it online. And also, too, like the the uh, I guess I don't know the technical term for this, but like the MetaMask authentication, like when you're authenticating via using a wallet, it's actually a lot. More simple than a lot of the OAuth flows that exist today, so that is kind of appealing. I've been to a few sites where it's like logging with MetaMask, and it's like, whoa, this is actually really easy. The only problem is that you know then you got <laughs> if you tweet Meta, that's uh, the joke. If you tweet MetaMask, like there's like a thousand scammers who will reply to you immediately. But uh, yeah, Web3 is dope. I uh, I think there's some really cool stuff going on there. I have only just briefly looked at some stuff. There's there's a rabbit hole of things to to get into and to build for. But one of the one of the people on my team, Stephen Tay, um, he's done quite a bit of stuff here. He built uh DAOcentral.com, which is a collection of all the DAOs and like links to them. It's very cool. Um, and it's been really fun to learn from him about Web3 because he's very he's very involved in that space.
1: Definitely. Yeah, I mean, the scam thing you mentioned was completely accurate. I've I've personally had it happen to me once I was working on a crypto startup a few months ago. I tweeted the word crypto and there were at least five, you know, replies on my tweet. It was very interesting to see, okay, people are like so hyped about it. But at the same time, there's so much of, you know, um, what's what's the word for it? It's like, there's so much of hate towards, you know, concept towards the, whole idea of web3 and crypto and a lot of that hate is coming from the fact that people are just so hyped up about you know dissing crypto dissing web3 you know hating on it um it's interesting because a lot of people haven't even tried the you know crypto web3 services that are offered um but they still choose to hate on it just because of the hype that's building up on that particular um You know, thing. So I think the grand question here is does Vercel plan on doing anything with crypto or web three?
2: Yeah, I mean I think right now we're silently doing a lot, if that makes sense. Like when when companies are betting their their launch or their product on our platform and our services, it's it actually says a lot. And I think that I've seen this over and over where you know Web three companies are choosing to to stake their success on Brusell and Next.js, and a lot of those companies are giving us really good feedback about the type of stuff that they would want to see us build. In terms of like building more Web three stuff, um, I definitely think we'll be building examples. There's there's a example right now that one. Some people on the Vercel team have been building, showing how to mint an NFT, Um, and that's on the Vercel slash examples uh, GitHub repo. So we're gonna build that. That should be merged here pretty soon. Um, We're gonna keep building more resources to help people succeed here. I think in the future, my team will probably also try to do some content around like trying to help people succeed with this, Um, and then on the long-term future. Yeah, there's probably ways that we can make building for web3 easier inside of our products. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I think there are, is an opportunity there. Um
1: certainly, I think I think a lot of our community members would be interested in seeing, you know, what you guys come up with, so I'm super pumped for that. Um, I'm sure a lot of the community members are as well. So I, th- I think this is a very great conversation. And our community, some of our members have actually pulled in some questions that they have for you. So um, we're, we're going to be asking those. They just will be asking those. I just want to mention to the community that if any of you have any more questions for Lee, uh, there's an events channel in the information category. And right under that, there's a thread called Q&A Questions for Lee. So if you have any questions, you're more than welcome to put them there and we'll make sure to get to them. So yeah, they just just, you know, say the name of the person and what the question is.
0: Sure. Uh so I think our first real question is uh, is from Barricade and it's uh was there anywhere you worked before Versal?
2: Yeah, so outside of university that I worked at two companies before Versal. The first one was called Workiva, and they're a publicly traded fintech company. It's Kind of a boring pitch, but they make it easy for for companies to like, essentially file their taxes. <laughs> um, but it's it's critical software for a lot of large companies, uh, and I learned a lot there. And after that, I worked at a company called Hy-Vee, which is a Midwest United States grocery chain. So they have over over two hundred fifty stores, uh, like physical stores in the Midwest, and I worked for their e-commerce platform. So. It was kind of an incredible time because like when COVID started people like everyone started to buy groceries online and I was part of the team that helped enable that. So it was very fulfilling to be able to help those people who couldn't, couldn't leave their house and they needed to get groceries. Awesome. Um,
0: and I think stealth also has a question, uh, which is what was the biggest challenge you had to overcome during like, like during development and like when, when learning how to code,
2: Definitely imposter syndrome. Like I I thought I was going to drop out of university. Like I was like, eh, I don't know if this is for me because I wasn't getting it as fast as everybody else. And the reality was I actually just wasn't learning the right stuff. Like if I would have started with web development, I think I would have been so much better off. But unfortunately, I didn't. I had to learn the hard way. But the the persistence there actually was very good for me. Like I battled through... The struggle and I think it helped me get to where I am today.
1: I think it's different for everyone. Like like programming is such a vast field, you know, there's so many aspects to it. Back end, front end, bot, CLI, whatever. So it's it's important to sort of figure that out. It obviously takes some time, but it's it's cool when you figure sure. out, you know, what your forte is. Absolutely. Yeah. Tejas you can continue.
0: Yeah. Um what's the main thing that that, that motivates you to keep
2: going at at Vercel? I often joke that like right now Vercel is such an exciting company that I like, I wake up every day. I'm just super excited to work on basically everything that we're doing here. Like we're connecting, there isn't a better company if you care about the front end. Like Vercel is the ultimate front end company. If you like front end web development, Vercel is that place. So it, it's It's very aligned with what I care about, and it makes it easier to want to stay here and build really awesome stuff. Awesome.
0: Um, And Mahesh is asking, what are the goals at Vercel to make web development great for developers? Like, what are the key pillars uh, that Vercel stands on?
2: There's quite a few. I would say... One important one is lowering the barrier to entry. I recently got exposed to this when I was helping with a high school hackathon. I was like, oh, let's set up Next.js. Yes. Like, let's just install Node.js and then we can and and the students were like, but I'm on a Chromebook. Like I can't install I can't install Node.js. Uh, my permissions are locked down. This is my school computer. I was like, oh, they're like, yeah, we do everything through VS Code Live Share. And like we just use the browser for our IDE, like we don't actually set up local environments.
1: And Good I was like, awesome.
2: oh, I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot that. Like I'm a little disconnected from the reality of how lots of people are learning to program today. And it's through the browser. It's through tools like CodeSandbox or Repl.it, and like that's I think that's the future. And we want to help lower the barrier to entry for everybody. That's part of what we're doing with Next.js Live is we want to make it easier for people to just start coding online.
1: That's really cool. I've actually experimented with the platform a bit. Um, like I think you guys released beta or something. I, I did check out the landing page, that's for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's such a big limitation, especially for a youth. So I think we're, we're trying to you know, help some folks overcome that eventually at Brother Group as well. Um, yeah, moving on to
0: Awesome. So um, I guess this is kind of like an interesting question. Uh, so like why Vercel, right, compared to other platforms? Like what, why is it better than the other platforms that are kind of
2: competing today? So my opinion is that Vercel is kind of doing its own thing. It's in its own lane. And what I mean by that is we're not really a... We're not really a, a raw infrastructure provider. Like you don't come to Vercel because you want to store things in an S3 bucket. You would just go to AWS for that. We're also not really like, we're also on the other side of that. We're not really like a CMS. We're not really um, a place that you would go to like put your content. What we are is a hyper-focused specific way of building the best front ends. And that means connecting to the tools that you already use. We're not trying to replace your database. We're trying to work really well with your database. We're not trying to replace your CMS. We're trying to work really well with your CMS. And focusing just so much on what it means to have a great experience on the front end and make it really, really fast. And there's so much depth there. Like there's there's obviously like a whole company just solving that one thing, it's important for us, and I think our differentiators, that we stay focused on that. Like That's the end goal. You'll never hear a developer say, man, I wish this was slower. And that's because you can always make things faster. And we really, really, really want to help enable just building the fastest web possible.
0: Absolutely. Um, and I think the next question is, what should be the next step after learning like, your first
2: language? the next step after after learning one language i would say that once you learn the fundamentals of programming loops variables um, reassignment like just like the core foundational concepts a lot of that stuff transfers to another language like after i learned um, after i learned python right like it was pretty easy for me to learn a different language um, I, and I think that's why, in my opinion, starting with the higher level languages, like a JavaScript or a Python actually makes it easier than to transition into other languages.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, even I started with, uh, with Python. Uh, so yeah, I, it's definitely awesome to like kind of start with something that's very rewarding. Um,
1: that's, that's actually a... I'd, like to, I'd like to comment on that real quick. Uh, I, I, I feel like, you know, languages that are more full-fledged, like JavaScript or, sorry, not JavaScript, TypeScript or, say, Java, um, they, they teach so many more concepts because it's so well-integrated. It's, it's such a large ecosystem of all of those programming principles that you'll constantly be using throughout literally any single, every, every and any language, basically. Uh, starting with something like Python, Python is a great language, but I feel like it makes it harder to switch to something more low-level in the future. That's just my perspective, obviously. Mm. Um. But yeah, I agree. Absolutely, yeah.
0: Um. I think the next question. I mean, there's a lot of questions. Everyone's asking what's what's coming out tomorrow. Uh, are there any hints you can drop?
2: <laughs> um. Let me let me think of a good hint. It will make it easier. For you to build websites that use a CMS. <laughs>
1: oh, is it like a is it a new version of Next.js or is it just like a subversion?
2: It's a, a new version of NextJS, NextJS oh, wow. wow. one, okay.
1: 12.1. Oh okay, okay. I thought I thought it was like no, a you know
2: not a not in. a major version. Uh, no, no breaking changes, but a I see a minor version that has new feature additions. So everything's backwards compatible, but there are some some nice new feature additions.
1: I'm very excited for that.
2: Awesome. Um,
0: Heidi's asking. I've seen some hype at Vercel regarding Swelt a while back. Is there anything uh, in the works around Swelt by Verso?
2: Yeah, I mean, we we hired Rich to work on Svelte full-time and grow that community and um just help build an incredible product. And Svelte Kit 1.0 is coming soon. I think it's getting close based on what I've seen from the open source work. And really that's our whole our whole mission is just to enable Rich and enable the Svelte team to to build an incredible framework. And from the Vercel side, we just want to have great support of Vers- of Svelte on Vercel. So um, one thing that we're working on is a nice template for building uh, e-commerce sites with Svelte that people will be able to use. Um, and then Steph on my team, who's our dev for Svelte, is just doing a lots of education around Svelte too. So expect more content from her soon.
1: That's cool. I, I have a question in regards to that. So um, basically, you guys acquired Svelte if I'm right? Or like you guys got Rich onto the team, right? Or is it more of like you guys empowering them versus you guys, you know, sort of being their uh parent company? Say it again. Yeah, sure. I was just asking if you guys have like acquired Svelte as in if you're their parent company or are you just working really closely oh, with? Oh
2: no 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 no. Yeah, no. We we did not acquire Svelte. It's still a, an independent open source project. Um we're we're essentially we we acquired Rich. <laughs> like we have we have oh, Rich on okay, the team okay. to uh, to help we're we're essentially funding him full time to work on Svelte. So like Vercel doesn't control the Svelte roadmap or you know the the Svelte community or any of that stuff. We just help fund its development and from my side on the DevRel side, we help create content to help developers succeed with Svelte. So expect more of that soon too.
1: That makes that makes a lot more sense. So I I do have to ask. So like, how is it? You know, work, How is it like working so closely with someone, not someone, but rather a product that, or not, not even a product, like software that competes so closely with you know something you guys already own, Next.js. Yes.
2: Yeah, I see it as like a, a why not both? Like both can succeed to me. I don't think it's a zero sum game. Um, I think the the future we're getting to is that there's gonna be a lot of similarities between SvelteKit and Next. And really the difference for a good amount of people is just the syntactical sugar or like how you how you actually write the code. Like some people are going to prefer writing Svelte code and some people are going to prefer writing React code. But ideally both of the frameworks help enable people to build great experiences. And then it's kind of just up to developers' personal preference on which one they want to choose. Ah. There's also like a, a level of familiarity. Like I really like Svelte. But I'm also not rewriting my site in Svelte because I'm just really familiar with Next.
1: Makes sense. Yeah, so it's like, OK, two different mediums with the same objective.
2: 100%. Awesome.
1: Yeah, continue, Sagers. Awesome.
2: Um, I think the next question is kind of
0: um, are there any other things you can do uh, to publicize your app and, and retain users other than literally just uh, compiling the code and publishing it on an app store? Um,
2: I would say the most interesting thing in mobile app development that I've seen is things like Expo because it greatly reduces how you get like the time it takes to get an app on the app store. And then it also has um, updates. So you can like push over the air updates Which is, it's funny, like that's just how the web works. You deploy a new version and it's live. But with mobile apps, like you got to go through the release process and like deploy a new version out uh, and then people have to upgrade. So there's a, there's a real use case for over the air updates where people, like your app just silently updates in the background. I, I read something the other day, this is, this is random, but related is that Google Chrome actually updates in the background all the time, like all day. It's only when it absolutely has to reload the whole browser does the update button show up in the top right. Like it's actually self- updating all the time, which is kind of fascinating Wow,. Could, yeah, that, be
1: that's- a, cool. could that be a contributor to its slow speeds?
2: <laughs> I mean, you would <laughs> hope that the updates are making it faster. I think I think slowness with Chrome, at least for me, comes with having a billion tabs open.
1: Right, right. As a developer, I can immensely relate.
2: Right now I have four Chrome windows open with probably 60 tabs. Wow. I have
1: okay. Four. Oh you As <laughs> I, I think we all do as programmers, entrepreneurs, creators, and whatnot. Um yeah. but yeah feel free to move on Tejas.
0: Yeah so um, I guess what are your processes for identifying communities to connect with and how do you create impact out of dev outreach
2: um i would say that for me the biggest way to create an impact with talking to developers and working with developers is to to educate them and help unblock them from the the features or the bugs that they're running into like just listening and hearing what's working well, what's not working well, educating on the good stuff, and then also helping fix the bad stuff.
0: Awesome. Yeah, um, and we're almost getting uh, to the end of the questions. Um, so I, I think this question is essentially, how, like what do you show or is there anything else you can show uh, if you've mainly built software uh, at like a company and you can't disclose the code, so like uh, building open source is one way of kind of showing off your uh, your talent and like your your potential. But are there any other ways other than open source to actually like kind of show uh, what you're building?
2: Yeah, so I actually had to learn how to do this when I was at closed source, and the answer is more obvious than I realized. It's every day that you're building software that's closed source you're learning how to be a better programmer. And you're probably solving problems that other people are facing too. So when I was building like a closed source Next.js app, I Googled, how do I do a a map component in Next.js? And like nobody had answered that. So the solution here is, is to write about it, is to share this online and help people succeed. You're essentially putting, you're putting these, uh, stakes out online for people to find you and understand what you're working on and, um, see your work and then ultimately hire you. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think
0: that that makes a lot of sense and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting.
2: For sure. Uh,
1: quick, Quick message for the community. Um, if you have any questions, again, I encourage you all to post post them in the thread called Q&A Questions for Lee. It's under the Events channel. Um, we'd love to get to your question and ask Lee. Uh, okay. Tejas, was that the last question we had? It looks like it. Yeah. I think that pretty ah, much okay. it Well, then, yeah, I, I think awesome. that sort of wraps up the, you know, meet we've had today to the community guys make sure you guys follow lee on twitter his handle is lee rob that's l with three e's rob um thank you so much Lee, for joining us here today this was an incredible opportunity for the entire uh, team myself pages and as well as well as the community your your you know perspectives your journey it was very motivational very inspirational i'm sure it helped you know a lot of individuals from our audience um sort of grasp really what they want to do at the moment because they were there a lot of them are stuck in the same phase that you were when you were in high school or when you were in you know those uh, starting uni years so I cannot thank you enough I cannot wait to you know start uh, working more closely with Vercel alongside the entire team for you know merch and the hackathons that we're planning and whatnot so thank you so much for this opportunity um yeah. and yeah
2: thank you for having me I really appreciate it
1: the pleasure was ours
2: all right thank you bye